Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Welcome to episode 143 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is what, when should you give up your job to write full time? Joining me... Can we just change it to when can you just give up your job full stop? But it, it, you're taking the lead on this one, TB, so you can do whatever you, whatever the hell you like. Uh, joining me, <laughs> Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the, um, the impatient TB Markinson. Hello, TB. How are you today? <laughs> I gotta stick with the American brand. I'm doing all right. It's uh, really freaking cold here in Massachusetts, and we just had an ice storm yesterday, so I haven't left the flat in a few days because I'm not good with cold or ice. So I think I'm stuck until March, April. We'll see. So we'll start off with what I've been up to. Well, I waged war against pirates. Well done. On the choppy yeah. seas of the internet. On the choppy seas of the internet, a fellow author notified me that one of my books was on YouTube, the audiobook. And when I went to check, it wasn't one book, it was three books. And when I say my book was on YouTube, the audiobook, I'm talking about the whole friggin' book. All three of them, like from beginning to end. Um, including One Golden Summer, our co write So um, it took me a little digging on the internet to figure out how to... Uh, submit a copyright infringement takedown notice and so I did that and you have to do it individually for each one so I had to do it three times and then I automatically got an email back that says we think your copyright takedown notice is fraudulent and I was like well that was quick to quick to say and I know it's an automated email I get that and then I started googling why did they say this right away before believing and I found out the reason they're trying to intimidate people who do uh, copyright takedown notices is because there was a different set of crooks who were going to very popular videos and putting in a takedown notice, and then they would send a message to the owner of the video saying, I won't release my takedown notice until you pay me a certain amount of money. So now YouTube is trying to get that under control. In order to get the books taken off YouTube, I had to go jump through all these hurdles and I had to share a lot of really private information to prove um, I was the true copyright owner of the three books. And it, I did get them down. I know it's just going to be whack-a-mole from here on out because that's how it works. Usually when someone says your book's been pirated, it's an ebook, and I do not go to the site because those are loaded with malware and there's really not much you can do. But since this was YouTube, and it was like the full audiobook, and another interesting fact, it was the three audiobooks that take place in Britain. It was One Golden Summer, A Shot at Love, and The Setup. Hmm. So I know that um, I was told as well that my books are on there, but I haven't done anything about it because, because I haven't. Maybe all my books are on there. They all take place in Britain apart from one. I don't know. Is it just a, I, I don't know what the reasoning was but I saw I ended up seeing a lot of other uh sapphic books up there and I, I I didn't see yours but I didn't dig too deeply yeah but I, I notified some because I was on uh the person or group or whatever who had my books it, they had a channel and it, one of the annoying things was because when I submitted my uh copyright takedowns um you when you went to the channel you could see like 40 videos were already hidden 
So, like, even a simple due diligence before they send out this email would have been like, wait, this person's getting a lot of takedown notices against them. I wonder why. And so after um, after they started taking mine down, then I went back and I saw the channel had been taken down because it was just one too many copyright takedowns. Okay. And the channel is no longer there. I don't know how easily it is to set up a new one and do it again. Right. I imagine not that hard because I'm pretty sure that the people who uploaded the audiobooks didn't have to prove it because they don't have the information to prove it because they are not the copyright owner. So it's just frustrating that they've made it so easy for the pirates and for the people who are legitimately the owners of the property, they make it really hard. Pirates are everywhere and pirates really, really get you down. And I was trying to, I'm trying to stay positive this year. So I need, I need the pirates to go away. Yeah. Pirates suck. All right. So what else is going on besides pirates? The proposal, my uh, British novella, is with the ARC team. Woo! Yes. So um, I'm hoping to be uploading it to Amazon soon. So we'll see. Uh, I have to admit, I'm still nervous about uploading to Amazon because of the whole deranking thing. Hmm. Uh, Amazon is making me very nervous these days because hmm. they've been doing some stuff behind the scenes that are definitely impacting authors. So let's hope. Let's hope things go well. I don't know. I'm nervous. And in other news, other writing news, I joined Miranda McLeod on a uh, co-write. She started working on a book set in Las Vegas and on a ranch last year, and then she had to set it aside because life, as we all know, has been difficult for everyone. And then she asked me to join during her when she restarts it as a co-write. So I am now working on a book set in Las Vegas in a ranch, and you would think, I have ranchers in my family. Some of my ancestors are ranchers. You would think I would have some, like, ranching DNA shit in me. I know nothing, and uh, Miranda is, like, actually taking English and Western writing lessons, so she knows a whole lot more, and I'm just like, I like ranch sauce. (laughs) (laughs) That should be good enough, right? Yeah, should be. Yeah. I mean, what else do I need to know? What else do I need to know? And then, yeah, so that's what's been going on here. Pirates, the proposal, and ranch. Ranching. I like, of those three, I like ranching the best. I'm quite excited for that. I, I've i always quite fancied, you know, going to a ranch, being on a ranch, getting on a horse. You know, in my imagination, I'm talking. I don't want to get on horse. I don't like animals. They scare me, so... um I did when I was a kid. We went to a ranch outside of Cody, Wyoming that was run by Buffalo Bill's great-grandson who looked just like him. And I did all the horseback riding and all of that. It was fun. It was like, you know, a step back into time. Mm. And that was before I learned just how terrible, um, you know, all the history was with, you know, killing off all the buffaloes and everything. So at the time, I really enjoyed it. Now I'd be like, this is, I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like what this stands for. But yeah, so what is going on over there, Claire? Well, TB, um, it's been it's been a unexpected um, last sort of week or so for me because I, I don't know if you remember, but um, I was meant to be in Whitstable um, last week. Uh, I was meant to be uh, going off to my writing retreat that I do every year, but guess what? I got COVID! Yay! <laughs> And Did so, I have a hard time yaying or tooting COVID. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, um, I I wasn't super ill, so that was um, you can toot toot that if you like. I'm triple vaxxed, 
but I think I succumbed to Omicron because, you know, it seemed like every... I think at one point, one in ten people in London had Omicron, so, you know, it was it was um, like playing a video game going outside, uh, trying, to, trying to avoid it, and I didn't manage to. So my uh, writing retreat got bumped, which was a pain in the arse, but, but, luckily, we were able to move the uh, dates uh, three weeks up, so I'm so I still get to go to Whitstable, and we're going to go the first week in February. So all is not lost. Um, there was a bit of a bit of pain in um, you know rejigging it all, but luckily my my friend and writing partner who's coming with me was fine with that, and the house was available. So we roll with the punches, right? Absolutely, that's what we have to do these days because you just never know. Like you had COVID in the house, so I I hate to say it, but it was only a matter of time until. <laughs> You were coming down. Yes. I was hoping, though, that you would get it in Whitstable and have to stay longer. Right. COVID in the house. Yes, I did. Yes, my wife had COVID and I managed to avoid it. Uh, you know, like she came out of isolation and it was like 10 days after she tested positive, I tested positive. So, you know, it was a, a long incubation period uh, for me. But there you go. But luckily, it didn't last long. So um, I'm okay now and I'm uh, out of isolation and hopefully touch wood, no long term effects thus far so but the good thing was right so I, I was going to go away with my friend who writes gay romance and we decided that what we would do we'd still kind of do a at home writing retreat so we would set targets and we would call each other every morning and every lunchtime and every evening and see how we'd done so we video chatted three times a day and um, that really worked really well and I got loads done last week because like I said I wasn't feeling that ill I was just testing positive so I was still able to work pretty well so that was really good um, you know I think I, I think I added another 20 25,000 uh, words to the book so I'm nearly like I'm nearly at the end so that was my target when I went to Whitstable to finish it and I, I, I'm one chapter and an epilogue off finishing the first draft so I still got the work done so that's good so you turned a negative into a positive. Do you know what I did? Exactly what I did, TB. Wow. Yeah. What else did I do? As well as doing that, I commissioned the Change of Heart audiobook. Can I get a toot toot? Toot toot! Um, so uh, this one was done via Findaway Voices, like di done direct via them. So I've hired the uh, narrator through them and we've done a contract. So it's a bit like doing it when you do it on the back end of ACX which is uh, Audible's back end. So it's a bit like that, the contract. So it's a bit weird for me, I have to say, because I've only done direct audiobooks. Like, ego, I deal direct with the narrator for about the past three years. So I'm really used to just emailing the narrator. So this is a bit weird because there's an intermediary. <laughs> I have to email the people at Findaway. I don't really like it very much, but I'm going to go with it for this one and see how it goes. But totally new narrator to me but she's got a lovely Scottish accent for the, that she can do for the Scottish characters that's good it's going to be done by the end of March so that's exciting that's excellent and that was one that was dogging you for a bit because you were struggling finding a narrator I was so um, I found one via Findaway so that's good good tip I haven't done it before we'll see how it goes um, the other thing was uh, last week oh I had such an action action last week as well as doing all that writing, commissioning the audiobook, I also actioned my schedule. So I've booked my editors for the three books uh, so oh. this year. So I've booked my editors, I've booked the three slots, and I've booked my cover designers. So big steps, TB. I've now got deadlines in place. Wow. When's your first deadline? March. <laughs> oh, I have a March one too. Yeah. Well, February's going to be fun with us. <laughs> yes, it is. Shortest month of the year. How much can we get done? <laughs> Um, Hopefully a tiger yeah. <laughs> Indeed. 
I had a week that I wasn't expecting, but it was super productive. So there you go. I thought, what else did I have? And then this weekend, uh, when my wife and I were finally out of isolation, it feels like one of us has been ill or isolating because, you know, we suspected we have COVID or we had COVID or we just felt a bit rough and we didn't have COVID <laughs> for about six, seven weeks now. So we went out for dinner on Saturday night and um, had tapas and some beer and some wine and some whiskey and I might have had a sore head on Sunday, but it was all worth it. You know, you got to celebrate your way. Yes. And if you know you don't have to go anywhere on Sunday, who cares? Exactly. Just laid on the sofa and watched some football and then watched Sex, sex Education. So... <laughs> I just heard sex and I was like, wow, that's a different <laughs> Sunday than what I do. <laughs> and just watch sex. Can't actually say Sundays. it. Have you, seen, have you watched uh, Sex Education? Can't say I anything. have not because I think it's on Netflix here and I do not have Netflix oh, yes. and they just raised the price so it's kind of like with you with uh, Ted Lasso how you're like I'm not doing another streaming service I'm on that one so I'm like maybe if I ever do get the visit I'll watch it at your place because you have it but yeah just tired of paying all these streaming services yeah yeah no but I mean that that show is um excellent but anyway so that's where we are um so what you got any comments comment monitor we do have comments. I finally caught up on the Twitter comments. But up first is uh, Brandy, who commented on our website, res responding to our question of what does January mean to you? And Brandy says, for me, it's the first of the two coldest months of the year. We even got below negative 40 already. It's kind of a badge of honor to not only brave the chilly temps, but to get outside and enjoy yourself, this January brings in the year I turn 65 and the year I will get published, which has been a dream of mine for more years than I care to remember. I just never got around to writing until I retired. Uh, Brandy loves our banter and says uh, we put a smile on Brandy's face. And then Brandy asks, what's the coldest temps we've had to brave? Brandy, it's negative 58 Celsius. So, and when that was occurring uh brandy still walked three kilometers to work i have not done that <laughs> no. but i have experienced really cold temperatures um i'm not good at the whole conversion of fahrenheit to celsius but i live in massachusetts and it gets really cold in the winter but i don't know if it's been negative 58 celsius i have no idea yeah i don't know but uh, not not as not as cold as that Let's put it that way. I live in the UK, so, you know, we don't get really much colder than minus two, and everyone goes into meltdown when that, well, not meltdown, ice down when that happens. Um, I have been to Austria in the dead of winter for a Christmas party, so that was pretty cold. But, you know, they're all they're all geared up for it there, aren't they? Yeah, we, we went to Prague one year for the Christmas markets, and, like, you're outside most of the time, but most of the places have the outdoor heaters, and they have blankets and yeah. everything. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. And also, I'm really bad at numbers, so I would never know. No, no one would believe me if I gave a number anyway. It was cold. No one. All right, so I <clears throat> caught up on the Twitter comments. And first up is MJ, who said, lovely first episode. MJ listened while exercising, and then said, hashtag positive January. So yes, MJ, we're all still trying to stay positive. And Claire, Claire, you really you really went out of your way to stay positive while your uh, retreat was canceled and you had COVID. Oh, no. I mean, you're a trooper. You're the positive trooper right now. <laughs> Yes, you stay positive, and well done you. Uh, Rachel McLean, who you met, when did you meet? At the Kindle Storyteller Awards. Thank you. Rachel McLean commented uh, at Claire Leiden on our account saying, you should uh, get on the wait list for the self-publishing live show. It'll be good to see you there. 
Have you have you joined the wait list for that one? No. <laughs> well, Rachel, get on her. Rachel Dagger. I don't want a dagger. Yeah, I don't know when it is actually, so I, I don't know. Um, I'll message James. James is nice. But also, we had a comment from Carol from Lesbia Reviewed, who said, "To my number one podcast of 2021, thank you for keeping me company on Spotify all year long." Aww. Oh, thank and you. And thanks for listening for us, yeah. like listening to us, not for us. Well, I guess both work. I don't know. Yeah, all of it, all the all words, all the words. <laughs> I should start using numbers too and really confuse the hell out of everybody. But those are the comments before I get us to buy us a coffee. Do you have comments on your end? None. Well, stay positive, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for buy us a coffee, um, Jackie and Sherry bought us a coffee and said, keep it up. So thank you very much for the support. Yes, thank you very much. So now let's get on to the topic um, with whatever TB wants to call it. I've said, when should you give up your day job to write full time? Uh, TB is going to lead it, take us by the hand and lead us through this one in her own inimitable fashion, right? I'll, I'll do my best in my bumbling way, but um, I guess we should say right off the bat, um, we were asked this question by Melanie who wanted to know when to go full time with writing and Melanie is scared of giving up the day job because of steady money. So. We're going to try to answer that to the best of our abilities. This was a hard one for me to answer because even though I do write full-time, I didn't have to quit a job to write full-time. I had already was unemployed. <laughs> so a little bit of my backstory. Um, back when uh, I was living in Boston before we were moved to London, I did have an office job. But in order to move to London, obviously I had to give up my office job because remote work wasn't a thing yet. And so when I was living in London, I wasn't working. So I was like, well, I'll just try my hand at writing because it's something I've always wanted to do. And we had an expat package that included, like, they paid our rent for the first couple of years. So it was like the perfect opportunity. And if I remember correctly, you didn't give up a day job either, did you? No, I got made redundant. Our examples, we both took advantage of having outside forces making us uh, not have work. So we just filled our time and took a chance on it. So it's hard for me to answer this question since I didn't have to put in my notice at my full-time job to write full-time. But for considering telling your bosses to fuck off, I came up with some things you should take into account okay. before making this decision. So I do have to say, I don't know where Melanie's from, but I'm coming at this from the very American angle because these are the factors I have to take into account still every year I continue working full-time as an author. For the listeners outside the U.S., I'm sorry, it's very U.S.-centric, but these are the things I take into account when I'm like, so am I going to continue this writing gig or am I going to get a job? Would you like to know the downsides <laughs> of being a, a writer in the U.S.? Um, I, would, I would expect nothing less than you to start off with the downsides. There are certain things you have to take into account. First off, healthcare. Um, that is a big thing in the U.S. because we tie healthcare to your employment status. I don't know why, but this is how we do it. So in the U.S., since I am not legally married to my partner, I have to pay hundreds of dollars every month to have healthcare insurance. Each month, that's just coming out of my account. If you do go full-time as a writer and you don't have an employer paying your healthcare, it is a hit. Luckily for me, the price keeps going up year after year. I'm really enjoying it. Mm. Toot toot. 
Oh, yeah. Every November, I get the letter. I'm like, mm, another $40. Excellent, excellent. So it does get pricey. Another thing you have to take into account is taxes. There is a self-employment tax. And this is for not just writers. It's for everyone in the U.S. who is self-employed. Because the Social Security and Medicare that is withheld from most wage earners' paychecks it's not withheld from us because we just get paid the money, but we still have to pay into it. So it, I know most people end up paying this, but like when you have to like fork it over <laughs> instead of having it just deducted from your account, it just kind of sucks. It just kind of sucks that there's this ed- ed- added tax, it seems like, for self-employed. So that's another thing you have to take into account. So far we have healthcare and taxes because everyone loves taxes. Mm-hmm. Another thing to take into account is your savings. Um, do you have a decent amount in savings? Because as we know with writing, everything ebbs and flows. Sometimes you have really good months. Sometimes you have really bad months. You can't predict it. So I've, I, I did a little search, and I don't know how accurate this is, but some people suggested having an entire year's worth of savings, meaning that if you weren't able to bring any income during that year, you'd still be able to survive. That seems like a lot, but... I don't know. What's your advice on that? I would say minimum that, actually. I would say if you can have more. But, yeah, I'd say from I'm, I'm quite risk-averse. So, um, you know, like you said, I, the circumstances contrived uh, for me to give this a go because when I got made redundant, I got a chunk of money. But also, I didn't I didn't go full-time right away. So, But we can come to that later when you finish yeah. yours. Depends how risk-averse you are, I suppose. Your mileage yeah. may vary, as they say. Yeah, and I guess in my circumstance, like, we had everything paid for on the, at least the living expenses for that two-year period when we were considered expats. So I guess maybe, yeah, mine was more than a year then. Yeah. Okay. Another question that I don't know the answer to for the person who asked is, are you a single-income income household? Because uh, if you're not and if your partner is cool with you trying, I mean, that's a totally different circumstances. I do know just chatting with other writer friends who do have a partner who is helping. Sometimes there's there can be a bit of bitterness when you're not contributing as much to the monthly expenses. And also there is sometimes the opinion that since you're working from home, all the household stuff falls on you. So, it, I mean, if you are thinking of going full-time and if you're living with someone, I would have a frank conversation with your partner of what they expect and what you expect because it can build some sort of resentment. I agree, totally agree. Yeah, it's really good to talk about this um, sort of shit up front because, yeah, it, it it normally does fall on the person that works from home to do a lot of the household things. And even if it's just interrupting you getting, you know, people around to fix things or getting deliveries or... And it might not even be your household. I remember when I first went full-time, um, writing work from home people were obviously everyone's working from home now but nobody was then in this entire street mm-hmm. and the amazon delivery people knew that i was working from home <laughs> and i would mm-hmm. i would sometimes end the day with like 10 parcels at the door now that you know you might you might say well that's not that much but that's 10 times i had to go and answer the door and my flow was interrupted so it's just even little things like that that can can really add up I forgot about that because that happened to me when I lived in Britain as well. They don't do it as much here because um, at least my apartment building has a locked entrance. Like 
you have to have the password. But um, yeah, the people, the delivery people used to know that I was there and would just hand off the packages. And then I would have to like deliver them at night. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing as well. Yeah, because you've got 10 parcels dropped off and then you get the 10 people coming around to collect them. And it's just like, oh, I'm a concierge for the entire street. <laughs> yes, yes. I forgot about that little detail about living there. Okay, so my next point. Um, so again, if you are thinking of doing this, have a very frank conversation with your partner if you are in a double income household because things do like like I know I I did a lot of the laundry and a lot of the dishes and it does interrupt when you're like oh I got to go change the laundry over I got to do this so some of these things can build up resentment on both sides so be honest what you expect on both sides yes but 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 on the flip sides I would also say that if if a scene is you know not going well or you're not quite sure what to do I do quite like to go and clean the bathroom or who the oh, spares, yes. and then and then maybe you maybe it'll change up, you know, what you're thinking. So yeah, it can. And when there's when there's a sex scene on my docket, my place is sparkling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Another thing to take into uh, account is the unpredictability of publishing. Um, publishing is a tough business, in my opinion. Uh, there's, I've I've known a few authors who hit it big with their first couple of books and what they did is they sat down and they calculated well if I make this amount of money from this book and from this book and this book and then they extrapolate it out and say well I'm going to bring in this much each year I wish it was that easy I wish you could expect how much each new release was going to get but it's unpredictable not every book hits the market the same sometimes you're very lucky or sometimes you just hit all the tropes right but you don't know what the income is going to be. You don't have a guaranteed income. And there's also issues like what I recently experienced with the latest Lizzie book with Amazon's de-ranking glitch. Like, it wasn't on the charts, and that affected everything. So you can't guarantee what each book is going to bring in, and your, your monthly income changes drastically. Yes, and, and your, your income goes up and down. So, and, and it also, it takes a while for your income to get going, right, when you first yes. start. So, you know, you might think, as, as TB said, you might think at the beginning, oh, my God, this book's doing really well. If I could do this for all of them, I'm going to be a millionaire, Rodders, etc. And that, and that reference would have fallen flat with all our um, US listeners. Uh, but <laughs> it, it does take a while for momentum to build, and then momentum can slow as well. Life is a roller coaster, TB. Oh, especially in the publishing business. It mm-hmm. is a roller coaster, completely. The next point I want to make is what are what books are you writing? Are you writing to market? This is something that if you're going to be a full-time writer, I think you need to really sit down and think about. Both Claire and I write romance, and romance is one of the um, best-selling uh, genres. So when you say write to market, especially to a newer author or something, they, they, they feel like... I don't know, it's kind of like a dirty word or something they don't want to think about because they just want to focus on the story, which I get. Story, it does matter, but you also need to write something that uh, readers are going to want to buy. You have to decide, are you writing to market? Are you writing stuff that can kind of sort of guarantee an income, even though we are both saying that you don't have a guaranteed income? Are you writing something that is defying every single trope and defying every single genre and it's really difficult to sell even though it's, it could be the most brilliant thing that's ever been put on the market it's really hard to market a book that no one thinks they want to read 
So you you have to write to market if you want to do this full time, in my honest opinion. What do you think, Claire? Oh yeah, definitely. If you want to do it full time, you have to you have to make a living. That's it, right? So you have to think, yeah, and, and I'm assuming from this question, Melanie was asking, uh, when should you give up her job to write full time? You want to make a full time living. If you want to make a full time living, and if you if you're writing in um, le- uh, lesbian fiction, sapphic fiction, you need to write romance. You know, some people will say, oh no, I can make it work in crime and mystery. I don't know personally of many people who just write mystery thrillers in in the um, sapphic realm, right? There's a reason Jerry Hill is known for her romances and her mystery thrillers because she wouldn't be able to make a living otherwise. Um, and Jerry Hill is one of the, you know, best sellers out there, but um, she still needs to write both. So, yeah, you're going to have to write romance. You're going to have to study what works. Um, but, you know, uh, it's 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 doable. It's very doable. But you just have to um, make sure you do the work. Yes. Yeah, do the research. I don't know what genre you're in. I don't know if you're writing a uh, savage fiction or not, but do the research and figure out what's selling the best. Another factor I think you should consider is how big is your backlist? Claire and I are always saying our backlist pays the bills. And those are the books that have been previously published. So when you're not releasing a new book, like they just kind of hum along in the background. And they, I always like to say they keep the lights on. Do you have a big backlist or are you starting out and you've had like one or two hits and you're assuming that every book's going to hit the same? But I would suggest having a, a, a bit more in the backlist. I don't know. I don't know the magic number. I, I don't know the magic number on any of this. But um, I have a larger backlist now, and it does help me every single month. Yeah, uh, there isn't a magic number. No, no. There's. I wish I could just give an answer and be like, once you've made this amount <laughs> and you've published this many books, you are safe. Because, <laughs> I mean, wasn't it a couple episodes where you were like, because Amazon was reporting slowly, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to get a real job now. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. We go through this all the time time it's one of those things like when you have a slower month it hits and you're just like oh gosh it's like publishing dead or we read all these articles how ebooks are dead or publishing's dead you, you you have to be in it for the long haul and you have to protect yourself for the ups and downs of it my final big point is you need to be honest with yourself not only do you need to sit down with your partner if you have a partner or whatever and you need to be honest about like what income you have what savings you have but you need to be honest with yourself sit down and figure out what can you expect your output to be year over year? I know like if you go into like a Facebook group, like what is it, 20 books to 50K, and like you go in there and they're just like, right, right, right. It's like a boot camp for writers and just like, you need to get like all the words out every single day. If you don't hit this amount, you're a failure or stuff like that. The truth is, if you put on yourself to write a certain amount of words every single day, and it's a lot, you're gonna burn out. Everyone burns out. And, and a lot of the times, people would be like, well, I was doing so well for two years and then I just couldn't write anymore. Or, my, or you hear people who've wrecked their backs. Both Claire and I go to physical therapy for our shoulder and back injuries. Um, mental health. <laughs> mental health is huge in this business. And if you're just forcing yourself to work every single day and squeeze out all the words you possibly can until you fall over each night, that you can't sustain that for long. So you need to know what, honestly, what you can sit down every single day, how much, how many words you can get it out, how many books you think you can publish each year, and you have to have an honest assessment about that. 
Yep, and that will change. I think, that's, I think those were my... Huh? I was going to say, that, that will okay. change as you go on. So, you know, what you think you can do at first will change as you carry on and you get more of an idea of it. Yeah, absolutely. I know when, in the beginning stages when I was writing, like, it took me a lot longer to get the book out because, like, they're more precious, aren't they? You're just like, oh, it's not ready, and then you hold on to them, or at least I did. But um, you do get a bit quicker on some things, but you still can't... Like, I've had years where I've published a lot, and then I've had years where I've only published, like, three. It goes back and forth, and it all depends, like, especially with what's going on in the world right now. You don't know what's going to happen, and you have to safeguard yourself to prepare for the really slow times. So th those were the big ticket things that came to mind. I'm sure we could come up with more, but those were the big ones. And I know it sounds like a lot, and it, I know it sounds like I'm saying don't quit your job. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying take all this into account, factor it all in, and make an honest assessment of what you can and can't do. I would hate for someone to get out over their ski tips. But it is possible because you and I work right full-time and support ourselves so it's definitely possible you'd hate someone to get out over their ski tips you what now it's it's i don't know if i'm saying the phrase right but it's like you know when you're skiing down the hill and you get out like you don't want to crash and burn right you want to be yeah. steady yeah i never heard yeah. that before there you go an americanism apparently <laughs> yeah apparently <laughs> So I would just say that, um, as uh, t as we uh, alluded to earlier, yeah, I got made redundant um, in 2013, and uh, so I got a, I got a lump of cash. But I then thought, well, I'll see what I can do with the book. But I never thought I'd be able to make a full-time living out of writing books. Never, never, never. So what I did was I took on freelance work. Uh, so I worked to, for two years part-time. I was a music streaming editorial consultant um, because I used to work as a music journalist and on music streaming services. So um, I, I did that for two, the first two years of... So I wrote like through... Um, I think I wrote my first four or five books uh, part-time and then I did that part-time. So I did have another income coming in for two years, two and a half years. And then I that kind of stream of income dried up and I decided I'd go full-time and see what I could do if I really put my mind to it. So I would say that going full-time, as well as all the financials and what you're writing, you also have to think, is this, is this really what I want to do? Am I suited to this? Because a lot of people would say anyone can do self-publishing. It's true, they can, but you have to have a certain mindset and you have to want to learn, constantly learn things because, you know, you're taking on, you're, you're basically starting your own business, your own small business. Uh, you're publishing yourself. And so you have to be able to deal with freelancers like cover designers and editors, but you also have to be able to learn how to upload, um, how to how to market, how to do a mailing list, how to do so many different things. And it is really overwhelming in the beginning, really overwhelming. Um, but just stick with it, get through it, do the best you can. Everyone makes mistakes. Once I went full time, I made a writing schedule so that I could write consistently. So that's what you have to do as well. Um, and what you'll do, your schedule, you'll think you'll do one thing and then you'll do another. And some things will work and some things will change. And you'll just have to constantly be okay with change, constantly be okay with learning a lot, constantly be, be okay to be constantly overwhelmed in the first two years. As you go along, it gets easier. Like any job, you learn it. But going full-time and working for yourself if you've, never done, if you've never done it before is a huge change, a huge shift. And you need to learn how to discipline yourself and how to schedule your time, and that takes time. So my schedule has changed every year for the last seven, eight years. I'm eight years uh, doing this job and six years full time uh, this year. 
So, but my schedule and how my day is put together changes all the time. So you will too. I think the biggest thing to consider when going full time is get your mindset right and be prepared to learn and go with the roll with the punches. Yes, you gotta learn to pivot. Every day you're pivoting. Like today, when I sat down, I thought I was gonna be doing something on my uh, to do list, and it turned out I had to tackle something that wasn't even on the horizon. So everything is changing, and yes, I should have mentioned. Good job that you picked it up. You're running your own business, and everything is on your shoulders. So, not that you have to do everything alone, because you do have cover artists and you do have editors and everything, but you have to manage everything. You have to get your the pro- project gets over the finish line, and it's a lot of pressure. It is pressure, but also it's very rewarding and very lovely, uh, and we both love doing this career. So we're we're not trying to put you off. Uh, we're just trying to be realistic. There are a lot of things that can go right. There are things that can go wrong. But if you are determined and you understand what you're getting yourself into, then it can really work. So, but I would I would say if you're, especially like TB said, if you're the main um, person bringing in the money, um, then you know I, I'm lucky because uh, my wife's always had a full time job, so we've always had a steady income coming in. So the pressure wasn't as much on me. Hopefully, if you have a partner, that that's the same. If you don't, then it's a lot more pressure. And I would say have at least a year money. Yeah. And I think it was my third year because I had those couple years padded time. And it was my third year when I started making money that would account for a full-time income. So it took a while to build up to that. So. And I would I would say I would say about the same for me as well. Yeah. It was a part Yeah, I think we came to that conclusion that... Year three, we're like, whoa, wow, I can actually turn this into something. Yes. But I will say, the other day I was talking with a friend of mine, and um, she was like, you work a lot. You put in a lot of hours. And I just said, yes, but I love my job. And not everyone can say that. And I do love my job. I love what I do. And I'm kind of excited to do it every day. And I feel lucky to do this job. And I hope anyone who is chasing this dream can also do it, because it is amazing. I have got nothing else to add. TB has wrapped it up there perfectly. So do let us know uh, what you think. When do you think is the... How, what do you think are the um, things you need to give up the, your day job and write full-time? But just remember, it is a job as well. Do comment on the website. That's lesbianswhowrite.com. Email us, lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com. Twitter us at leswhowrite. Facebook us and Instagram me at clairefic. Uh, do comment. Do come over to the website do chat with us we'd love to hear from you join us next time when we will be discussing print books don't ignore them join us then until then keep writing stay safe bye everybody thanks for listening to lesbians you write Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee. And sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time.